Well, next week I will be off, and Logan will get to do it all for you uh, next week, leading the songs and, the, and preaching. The following week on January 9th is when we'll get into our new series for uh, 2022, uh, going through the book of Romans together. Um, and if you, know, uh, if you know Paul's letter to the Romans, you know that's, that's going into the deep end of the pool, so to, to speak. Um, so it's easy to be intimidated by it. We're going to uh, wade in because these are depths that really do reveal the glory of God in the gospel. That's going to be our theme, glory in the gospel, the glory of God in our salvation. And uh, we'll, we'll just dive in together uh, on January 9th. I hope you'll plan to be with us for that study. Uh, this morning, I mean, you've already, you've already seen, I mean, wow, December 26th, he just turned the corner. Christmas is over. We know no Christmas songs or anything. Well, it's, it's all right. Uh, this morning is sort of a, a bonus episode uh, of our fall series in Proverbs, Wise Words. Um, today, we're looking at wise words for making plans. Uh, that, that's what I'm doing these days. Uh, you know, we get to the end of this year, looking to the year ahead, thinking about trips we want to take as a family, books that I want to read projects around the house that want to get done this year, purchases that we need to save for, all those kinds of things. Maybe you're uh, thinking about a career change or expanding your business or anticipating retirement. All those things could be uh, thinking about making plans for this year ahead. And this uh, idea of wise words for making plans would also apply uh, to New Year's resolutions you may be thinking about, or whatever whatever goals or agendas you have. So don't just think resolutions per se. We think of those as maybe changing our habits for self-improvement. This is, this is bigger than that, what I'm thinking of. Um, whether, whatever, whatever big uh, dreams you have for the year, or maybe, maybe you're just kind of expecting that things will go on next year just like they did this year, for better or for worse. All these are included in the making plans that I'm talking about. And of course, the Bible has a lot to say about what we should plan for or what not to, uh, to plan to do. But the biblical wisdom that we're focusing on today is more about the how of making plans, the attitude and the outlook that we have as we make plans. So, so the, the theme of the sermon this morning is really answering this simple question. With the new year before us, how are you making plans for the future. How are you going about this? What's your attitude, your outlook? And we're going to answer that question in just two ways. Maybe you've seen this already. There's an outline on the back of the worship folder that you got as you came in. Um, we're going to answer that ways with humility and with hope. And under each of those two headings, we'll look at three proverbs. So let's get started. How, how are you making plans for the future with humility? And here's Proverbs 27 verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Here's, this is wisdom. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. So let's start real simple. What's going on in this proverb? The first line tells us what not to do, and the second line gives us the reason why. What not to do. Do not boast about tomorrow. Why? For you do not know what a day may bring. And what is this boasting about tomorrow that I'm not supposed to do? Uh, I, I've quoted Matthew Henry before in the series uh, going through Proverbs. He's an English pastor that goes back to uh, several centuries. And he says, this does not forbid preparing for tomorrow, but presuming upon tomorrow. Does not pr forbid preparing, that kind of planning, for tomorrow, but presuming 
upon tomorrow. In other words, make plans, but don't assume that they'll all work out, which is the same kind of uh, issue that uh, is dealt with in another proverb that I know you're aware of that's not in the Bible. Don't count your chickens before they hatch, uh, right? You, you, you may have three eggs. That's fantastic. But you might not end up with three healthy chickens. Don't be presumptuous. Don't get ahead of yourself. And so often this presumption feeds our pride and other foolishness. You might be going to the year thinking, oh, let me tell you what I'm going to be doing in 2022. I'm going to, I'm going to make employee of the month three months running. I'm going to get a promotion, big fat raise, and finally buy that car I've always wanted. And, you know, since I'm in a lock for the position, I might as well get that car now while they're, you know, have it on sale, right? It's like, oh, hold on. Don't count your chickens is a, is a wise word. Don't spend money today that you think that you'll have tomorrow. Presumption turns into pride, but this, this proverb in the Bible actually says it works the other way too. There is a kind of pride that leads to presumption. I know what tomorrow brings. Uh, the future is in my hands. I, I've got it under control. But he, the, the wisdom here is you do not know what a day may bring. You don't know if you will be employed tomorrow or if your company gets bought out and you're, you're downsized. You don't know if you will put on that addition to your house that you've been planning for or if a tornado will flatten it all first. You don't know if you will be healthy tomorrow, healthy this year, or if you will start to feel a strange pain that you've never felt before that turns out to be a tumor. Now, if you dwell on your inability to see the future, I don't know what tomorrow brings. I mean, you could easily swing the pendulum from this overconfidence, like I've got it all under control, to uh, some kind of indulgence. Hey, eat, drink, and be merry. So who knows what tomorrow holds? Let's better, better eat it now. Uh, uh, or apathy. Not worth planning. I mean, it could all fall apart tomorrow. Or, or uh, some kind of anxiety, fear, dread. You think, well, if, if all that bad stuff could happen tomorrow, let me just, I'm just going to curl up over in the corner of the room here. I can't do anything. I'm paralyzed. But remember, as that old pastor said, this is not against preparing for tomorrow. It's, in fact, because we don't know about tomorrow, we should be planning. We should be preparing. Uh, We should prepare for the future, but making plans with humility and confidence. I mean, that's the hope that we're going to get to a little bit later, but but it's, it's here too. I don't want to. I don't want to move. Uh, the emphasis here, I want to say, is on humility. But we can have confidence. We can have hope, because we do know who knows tomorrow. We do know who, uh, and even better, not just who. Uh, if you remember the old song, "I know who holds tomorrow," and I know who holds my hand. Yeah. Now, we know the one who not only knows the future, but not like a crystal ball. God, God doesn't know the future like a, like a psychic. He holds tomorrow. He, he knows what tomorrow holds, and he holds tomorrow. You have a loving father who has better, got a better plan and who is making it happen in your life. That's why Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, you can find this in Matthew 6, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Why would we be anxious about tomorrow? Because who knows what could happen then? Who knows if we'll have what we need then? Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow, not because there's nothing to worry about, or that we don't have any needs, but because our Father knows our needs. 
And just as much as He takes care of of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, He'll take care of you when you trust Him. So, boasting in tomorrow is, in, in, in light of this proverb, it's talking about me claiming glory for myself uh, before it happens. It's like starting to, to uh, like, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm running free uh, down the field, and I'm already celebrating the touchdown uh, before I cross the goal line, and then, and then dropping the ball before I actually score. That's me glorying in tomorrow. But if I know the one who really knows and I trust him. That means I, I do keep pushing for the goal, but I give him the glory, boasting in the Lord, not me and my plans, not my ability, not my skill, not my talent that's going to make that happen. We could, we could reflect a lot further on this proverb from James 4, 13 and 15. I, I would encourage you to look at that. Uh, it's a, it takes it in even further, but we're going to move on to this next proverb about making plans with humility and here's Proverbs 15:22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Okay, Proverbs 15:22. This is this is wisdom for us. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Notice we have a contrast here between plans that fail, plans that succeed. So we're talking about very different outcomes. That's what we're dealing with here, and this is taking for granted, of course, that we would all prefer to succeed, right? Uh, no. If you make plans, do you intend for them to fall apart? No. If you make plans, do you intend for them to come together? And what makes the difference between the success that you want and the failure you do not want? Counsel, the first line, or advisors, second line. There's, there's not a distinction being made here in those two words. They're, they're rounding out the picture. The, the advice, the counsel that is given, and the people, the advisors, counselors, who give it. Uh, the issue is the presence or absence of that wisdom, uh, that advice uh, that you gain from other people in your situation. And to he- heighten the contrast further, you've got without counsel, no advice at all, no help, versus many advisors. So why is this wisdom that you and I need? How is this informing the areas of our ignorance correcting perhaps our foolishness, uh, well, you might not think that you need any advice to have success, which is, which is to say, of course, I already know. I already know everything that I need to know to bring about the outcome that I want. That's what is that we often assume, and this wisdom is trying to say, uh, slow down. You need to listen. Now, we know there's all kinds of uh, Moments in our lives where we, we know we need the help, the advice, the guidance of others. If you're getting ready to graduate high school and you're either going to pursue a uh, college a degree in college or you're looking at a career, uh, you need a guidance counselor. Or if you're anticipating retirement, you're going to want to talk to a financial advisor. Uh, maybe you see a therapist regularly or sometime before. Maybe you've sat down with me as your pastor to talk. Listening to others is being humble, and it's being wise. I mean, you know, if you want your plans to succeed, and presumes that we do. Now, of course, it matters who you are listening to, to whom you are listening. Uh, You can be taking advice from fools, from scammers, from sinners who will lead you astray, not just to, to failure, but to destruction. And the focus of this proverb is you being humble enough 
to listen to others. You don't know it all. So you say, okay, okay, I got it. Uh, shouldn't make plans without counsel. But you're, you're thinking really hard about this proverb. You're, you're, you're reflecting on it. You're chewing on it. You say, okay, but does many advisors in the second line, does that mean, well, more advisors means more success? So I get more and more advice. Well, uh, if you've ever served on a committee that's just too big, have you ever had to deal with that? Sometimes you know the unique, the unique sort of purgatory that it is when you have too many people with too many opinions and you never can make, you never get to a decision. You can't land anywhere. And it's, you, know, you start to feel like Congress uh, where you can't go. You're just stalemated, stagnate. It, it, our, our legislators, of course, are easy to criticize, but, but of course, on the other hand, you don't want to, to elevate uh, some kind of dictator because he's a more efficient form of government. Well, you don't want that either. When, when working well, a, a group of people can see more than one person can. And each has a perspective or an insight to contribute. Again, if you're listening to uh, wise, knowledgeable, experienced, godly people, uh, people who've lived long enough to, to see more things, to know more things, if you're listening to the right kind of people, they uh, they can see more than one person can. They each has a perspective or insight to contribute. And when you come to a plan, a decision that way, um, you're more likely to come to a decision that everyone can live with. In so many situations, if we come ready to, to listen as well as to speak, the plans we settle on will be better for having many advisors, better for us, better for others. Who are you listening to? That's important, for sure. This proverb is just saying, just make sure you're listening. Make, make your plans with humility. One more a proverb on making plans with humility. This is Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, that's just any person, hum, a human. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So you can see we've got two lines. Again, another contrast between plans. But this time, it's our plans as compared to God's plans. And we see this before. The, the two lines in the proverb are rarely exactly parallel. Rarely, rarely are they a, 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 just a clear photo negative, one of the other. Uh, it's not either perfectly synonymous or, or uh, completely opposite. And that is in, there intentionally uh, to imply other things that round out the proverb. And if, you, if I just completely lost you for the last 30 seconds, let me show you what I'm talking about. It could have, the proverb could have said, many are the plans in the mind of, ma- of a man, but God has just one purpose. And I think that's part of the message. Uh, we have a lot of ideas, a lot of, a lot of intentions. Maybe, maybe that's because uh, you're creative. Uh, you're kind of a restless dreamer by personality. You're an, you're an entrepreneur. You're an ambitious climber of sorts. And, 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 and plans, you have many plans, and they often change. And, and we, we think we know what we want, but we're, 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 we're seeing something new, a new opportunity, and we're going in that direction. Maybe... We have many plans because we're easily bored, or our situations change, or our needs change. Uh, we, we go to a new stage of life, and we're like, I want something else now. Uh, we, we think 
we think that we're acting, but really we're reacting all, all the time. Most of the time, we are reacting to our circumstances and situations uh, stage of life. Think about this. God responds, but he never reacts. God responds, but he never reacts. See, when I say he responds, I mean he, he hears and answers our prayer, but he's not, he doesn't react in the sense that he's not playing chess with us, with our lives, right? He's, he's not like he's sitting back waiting for you to make your next move, oh, so he can figure out what, what he's going to do next. I'm just going to, that's not what God is, God does not react that way. He responds, but he does not react. If you think that God reacts to you, like God is out there like, what's, what, what's he going to do? What's she going to do? Uh, what, what am I going to do if they do this? Uh, how am I going to react if they do that? that that's, who do you think you are if you think God is out there? And who do you think God is if he's out there kind of you know, like uh, uh, tense over what he's going to do next after you do whatever it is that you're going to do? God knows what is right and best. He has a plan. He's got a purpose, and it is good. And he will carry it out. He will see that it is done. Now, imagine um, another way of making this proverb perfectly symmetrical. You could say, if we start with the second line, the purpose of the Lord will stand, but the plans of man will... I mean, at best, at best, we have to admit our plans are always a little wobbly. I mean, his purpose stands, ours are a little like, eh, a little iffy. Like, well, I hope, I'd like to think, as long as conditions remain stable, uh, this has a pretty good chance. As long as interest rates remain as they are, as long as gas prices don't go up, as long as, uh, as, as I continue to, to remain healthy, uh, I'll be able to do this. Folks, all of our plans uh, are, are iffy at best. And at, at worst, at worst, you need to know that human plans, and in particular, plans that, that y- you may make without regard for God or, uh, and His commands, with, that plans that you make in spite of or in opposition to God's will, guess what? They are doomed to fall. They will not stand. They will fall. Psalm 2 begins this way. Why do the nations rage? and the people's plot in vain. That's a kind of plan, right? Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. They're planning, they're plotting against God, and they're saying, let us bur- burst their bonds apart. God's, God's authority over our lives, we're going to just throw it off. Let's cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven laughs. And the Lord holds them in derision. If you're trying to make plans that go against God, guess what? They will fall. His purpose will stand. And the the point of all this, remember, as we've been saying, is is again, not to just throw up our hands, well, I guess the Lord's going to do what the Lord's going to do, a kind of fatalism, a kind of resignation, a kind of, well, I guess whatever happens is going to happen. Why plan? Or maybe more more spiritually, well, it's just, you know, God's, God, his purpose, and let's just let go and let God. We'll just kind of float along, drift along, and God's going to do what God's going to do. That's, that's way too passive. That's not what we see here. There, there's another way to take this uh, proverb, not as a warning or as a rebuke, but as an encouragement. 
And that's where, that's where we want to turn the corner here. Yes, make plans with humility. All of these Proverbs here are about putting us, in one sense, putting us in our place, yes, rightly, putting God in his place as we make our plans for the future, but yes, with humility and with hope. So here's the next part. With hope, Proverbs 16.9. Hear how, how similar this is to the last proverb. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of man, again, a, a human man or woman, a heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his or her steps. This is still a contrast, but notice, not between our plans and God's plans. Our plans, little iffy, probably, or doomed to fail. Uh, God's plans, sure and certain. Not, that's the earlier proverb. This is a contrast between what we want to happen and what actually happens. You follow that? This is still about our plans, our plans that are our intentions, our desires, what we hope to happen, uh, what we, we'd like to see happen, and then what actually happens. Plans compared to establishes. And here's the thing, who determines whether your plans take shape and what shape your plans take? Not you, it's God. So here we arrive at a classic conundrum. Well, if God determines the outcome, is, is he just kind of manipulating us like some kind of marionettes, puppets on a string? Or are we just robots, drones uh, buzzing around as if by remote control? This, these verses don't say that at all. Look, we, we aren't some brainless pieces of furniture that God is moving around. That's not what we see here. We are making plans, some good, some bad, some wise, some foolish. But we need to know, here's wisdom, you and I, we are not in ultimate control of the final outcome. You're only human. I'm only human. Now, for more and more people in our culture today, uh, God is, is already out of the picture. They don't, don't believe in God, don't see God as involved, as uh, uh, or ordaining and orchestrating what goes on in our world, let alone their lives. So it's natural for uh, many to believe, many to want to believe, well, God's not there. I am in control of my life. I am the writer of my screenplay. I am the director of my own blockbuster movie. I am the star of my show. It's, it's basically me. But understand... That if you, want to, if you want to assume that God is not in the picture, it does not just automatically or neatly fall into that scenario. I am the author of my screenplay. I am the director of this picture. I am the star of the show. It doesn't, that's not what happens next if you take God out. I mean, without God, you have to admit that either life is one big power struggle between people competing for control, competing for stuff, competing for fame and glory, and, and life is basically boils down to survival of the fittest, might makes right, winners and losers, good luck, y'all. Or, even worse, life is just chaotic, irrational, and it's all pointless anyway. Happy New Year. The Bible says something else. The Bible says that even though creation has been corrupted, the world is not as it ought to be. You and I are not as we ought to be 
that the universe is under the wise yet mysterious order of a good God. The whole course of history is being directed by the King of Heaven. And you are in His story that He's writing. And you are a supporting character, not the star. So, people make plans, but God brings about the outcome. That's another lesson in humility, but understand, I I put this under hope. I think this gives us hope. Instead of uh, feeling the pressure of like, I've got to be the, I've got to author my story. I've got to, I've got to direct this picture. I've, I've got to be the star. How, how can I be the star of the show? You can just, we can step back and let God be the, the center as he is and always is intended to be. And, and, and instead of pitting God's sovereignty against my freedom and then getting into a fight over it, how about thanking God? How about trusting God? How about thanking God when his wisdom overrules my foolishness? There's some sovereignty I need. Uh, How about trusting God's purpose to renew and restore the believer, to, to make you and me whole and glorious, overruling my tendency to make a a fool of myself, to get myself in trouble. That's sovereignty I need. I don't know about you. Your plans are not perfect. I am not infallible. His plans are perfect. He is infallible and all-knowing and all-good. That's who He is. We make plans, but God brings about the outcome. Now, even if, even if, even if you entered 2022 with the best of plans, the best of intentions. And I hope uh, some of these would characterize you, that you're, you're coming into the new year saying, oh, I want to I learn, I want to grow, I want to serve, I, 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 I want to be faithful in my relationships at work and with, at home with my time and with my money. I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to love my neighbor as myself. I want to glorify God with all that I am. What hopes do you have of actually accomplishing those best of plans, those best laid plans. What hope do you have to accomplish these plans? Because, well, I really mean it this year. I mean, not like last year. I mean, I said I'd wanted to do that, but, you know, I I got busy or it didn't work out. No, uh, not because I really mean it this year. Not because we know I, I, for Christmas I got a new smartwatch that can track all of my, you know, vital statistics and my devotion. I'll be able to, you know, do, put my prayer requests on my uh, phone or whatever. No, no, that's not that's not it. We we make plans, and we're gonna we are gonna launch into 2022 uh, as long as the Christ doesn't return before that, or or you and I don't drop over dead. We're gonna we're we're gonna go into 2022 like it or not, no matter how or how well we have planned. Let's do it trusting God with humility and with hope. We, we have some ideas, we have some plans, we have got hopes and dreams, but our confidence comes in knowing that God will establish our steps. He may, he may take us some places we hadn't, hadn't planned on going, but He will be with us every step of the way. He, and he will, he will take us where He wants us to go, and with Him... When he's with us, when we're with him, it will be good. Maybe not in the moment, maybe not, may not feel that way in the moment, but with him, we'll be, we'll be all right. Next, proverb. Making plans with hope. 
Proverbs 16, 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The two lines of this proverb work together a little differently than the last few. First line tells you what you are to do, and the second line tells you the result. And work here in the first line is not uh, just your job, your employment. It's any activity that you do, which could include, of course, your job, uh, but also if you're a student, your schoolwork, what you do as a parent, what you do as a part of a church or a volunteer in the community. And we probably, you probably understand pretty instinctively that commit means to entrust, uh, to, to put it in God's hands, commit your work to the Lord. The, the Hebrew word that's translated here as commit uh, is literally to roll. And okay, so what, which is interesting, you think, well, in what sense does roll have to do with commit? Um, well, pi- picture the, the, the idea that's the sense of this verb here. Picture something so heavy that you cannot lift it by yourself. I mean, not, not like a battleship, just, just like something so heavy you cannot lift it, like, like a piano, right? That you might, you might need to move, but you can't lift it. You can't, you can't lift a piano. You can't lift a refrigerator by yourself. Solomon, of writing the proverb, I know was not thinking of a piano or a refrigerator, but maybe a boulder or one of those big cut stones that would be used for, for uh, constructing the temple. It's, it's something that's so big you can't get your arms around it. There, there's, there, it's so heavy, there's no way for you to pick it up. The, the only way you can move it, the only way you can shift its weight somewhere else is to roll it. Uh, either it has wheels or you need to get some kind of dolly. You're going to need something to help you to roll this thing. Now, now think of, again, what is the sense of that in the idea of this word, not just this word, but in this proverb, in this wisdom, commit your work to the Lord. Think about the demands, the pressures in your life. Can I, can I get a, a good enough job if I don't go to college? If I go to college, can I afford it? I'm not sure I can get the grades to get into the college to, to, be, to be able to do something that I can't afford. Like you're all these questions. Or how can I keep my business going if the economy is in a mess? Or how are my kids going to turn out if I'm in such a mess? How, how, is, how is our church, will our church ever uh, be what it was before COVID? Or, or if, the, if the, the, the trends and culture seem to be away from faith, away from God, what, what uh, encouragement do we have that, uh, that we're going to be able to to stay strong, to stand firm, to go forward in faith. The, the burdens of parenting and pastoring are too big to get our arms around. The, the pressures of a school or career or business are too heavy to lift. Roll them over to the Lord. He can handle it. You can't handle the weight. You can't get your arms around it, let alone your head. Roll it over to the Lord, and He can handle it, whatever it is, however big it is, however heavy it is. And, and you can say, well, okay, well, that's fine. How do I do that? How do I take this big thing that I'm carrying that I clearly am not handling right now? How do I, how do I actually do that, commit my work, my activity, my, the things that I want to do over to the Lord? Well, certainly part of the answer is prayer. That is, it's good for us to not just, you know, say a prayer or to the activity of praying, but, but to 
intentionally, consciously verbalize that rolling it over. Like, God, God, I can't handle this. Is In one sense, this is confession. Lord, I can't handle this. And Lord, I, I realize even that it, this is, it is something of folly and sin for me to say, I can't handle it. I can't. I'm confessing that right now. I'm agreeing with you. This is, you've got to handle this. And Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm trying in whatever way I can to roll this over on you. I can't, I can't even, I don't even have it in me to be able to, to neatly pick it up and place it in your hands. I've just got to roll, got to roll it over to you. That is something we have to, uh, an act, action that we are called to do in this. But, but not just verbalizing that in prayer. God, this is, I can't do it. You got to take it. Um, I think is, it's good for us to have some kind of other kind of action as well. Here's, here'd be one example. Some, some expression of Sabbath would be appropriate. Now, Christians down through centuries have uh, debated about what is appropriate um, in terms of the old covenant command to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I mean, is that, should it be on Saturday? Should it be on Sunday? What are we not supposed to do on Sunday if we're supposed to be observing this law? That, there are all kinds of discussion and, and about that, but here's the thing. Don't, don't get stuck on the command and its relevance as the principle. You, I mean, we, no matter where we fall on that, we should be able to, to recognize the value, the wisdom, and the mercy of God, the gift that it is to say, uh, why wouldn't you take a Sabbath as I've called you to do? Why wouldn't you take this time, to, to take a time regularly, once a week, take, take time and stop and rest because what you're doing in that is saying, I don't have this. This is, this is out of my control. It's beyond what I can manage. And even if I worked 24-7, I would still be behind. I would still be overwhelmed. I'm going to stop and I'm going to say, God, I'm not just by my prayer, but by my action of, of stopping, resting, trusting. You. God, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to manage this right now because I've got to take a nap. That's, that's a way, to, a tangible expression of faith and trust, committing your work to the Lord. And what happens? This proverb says your plans will be established. In light of previous proverbs, we might expect, well, his purpose will be established, not, not your plans will be established. That's still true. God's purpose prevails over our plans. This is not a, a formulaic response like, well, uh, just God, God helps me to do whatever I want if I just uh, ask him to bless it first, say a little prayer, and then God lets me do whatever I want. E- except when we remember, Jesus does seem to talk like that in the New Testament, right? Whatever you ask in my name, my, my Father will do it. But think, think, what kind of activities, what kind of work, what kind of doings, what kind of plans would you be able to commit to the Lord? Uh, what would be fitting for you to bring to him? Not foolish things, not worldly things, not wicked things, not evil things, not sinful things. This is, this is how whatever you ask fits with praying according to God's will, right? Uh, we should give up all our plans to the Lord. We should bring Him all our needs, all our desires, but knowing our plans are in His hands, that's going to help us make better plans too, right? This is the, if, I, I, if I can, can I ask God to take care of this for me? Well, if it's not something that, that He wouldn't do, that he, that he would say, uh, why are you doing that? No way. Uh, then you need to rethink what you're planning, right? Here's one more proverb this morning. Making plans with hope. 
Proverbs 12, verse 20. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Now, this is about as close as we're getting this morning to talk about what you should plan. I've been focusing more on how and your attitude, your outlook uh, in relation to God. But I included this more as a way, again, to encourage you in the outcome. These two lines contrast those who devise evil, a devise, a kind of plan, and those who plan peace. Everyone in the proverb is planning, scheming, plotting something, but very, of course, very different things. And notice, evil is in contrast. Remember we said not always a, a perfect opposite. Evil is in contrast not with good, but with peace. Now, if you know the, the biblical, especially the Old Testament word for peace, shalom. I mean, of course, that is a, a condition of good, a condition of, of fullness and flourishing and blessing. Shalom, peace. But that word here also, I believe, introduces the relational aspect into this proverb. So, are you plotting evil against others? Or are you plotting, if we could put it that way, plotting peace with others? Are you plotting evil against others? Are you plotting peace with others? Are you a warmonger or a peacemaker? Now, idea of making peace, peacemakers, don't don't think first about you know, the United Nations Security Council or some kind of high-level diplomacy uh, between the, with the American president and whoever's in, in power in the Middle East trying to bring peace uh, to that uh, strife-filled region. Is, is this for you today? You. Are, are you stirring up strife? Are you plotting your revenge, whatever that looks like? And I, I, I mean, I'm going to trust now that nobody is plotting any, any kind of something that's really violent. But, but are you, do you have somebody that you're like, oh, I, <laughs> when I get my chance, when I get my chance, when there's an opening, that's when I'm going to spring the trap. That's when I'm going to get have those words that I've been wanting to say that's going to be just a dagger. Are, are you plotting evil, devising evil? Or are you, if, if you're devising evil, what, what you're planning to do is continue the war, to escalate the war. That's what you're planning to do. Are you planning peace instead? Are you trying to, to understand, to, to sympathize with the needs, the hurts, the fears of other people, listening to where they are at, where they're coming from, why they might have said what they said, why they did what they did, were they, were they just not thinking, were they foolish? Maybe they are deceived, Maybe they, maybe they are, they, they do, uh, in, they are in some sense uh, just going hard away from God in whatever they're doing. But are you seeking to reach after them? Are you seeking to pursue them? Or are you seeking to hurt them and harm them? Are you trying to figure out how to live and work together in harmony to bring blessing, to bring shalom? That's what this world desperately needs. That's what your marriage needs. That's what your family needs. That's what this church must have to survive. It's what our community, our country, this world needs. It's what we as human beings need to thrive, need to flourish. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. And this proverb gives us just one more piece to compare that doesn't quite line up. You notice this deceit is in the heart. Deceit in the heart on one hand 
have joy on the other? Deceit describes the root. Joy describes the fruit. The real opposite of deceit, of course, would be um, what's in the heart of those who plan peace? Uh, Honesty, integrity, mercy, generosity. That's what it's it's in the heart of those who plan peace. Uh, And the opposite of, uh, there's no manipulation, there's no uh, trickery, just transparency. And then the opposite of joy. What would be the opposite of having joy for the person in the first line, those who devise evil? The opposite of joy, of course, would be sorrow or grief. And we should expect that that will be the outcome for the warmonger, for the person who is, is still fighting the battle, who's trying to escalate the war, who's looking for their chance to ambush their enemy. One commentator I read said, if you devise evil in the end, you deceive yourself. See, that there, deceit is in the heart. Of course, the, the idea is that they're, they're trying to trick somebody else. They're trying to deceive somebody else. That's part of their plotting of evil. But again, if you devise evil in the end, you deceive yourself. That's not going to be the way to win. That's not going to be the way to, to, to joy. You think, ah, oh, it will be so. I will just... Mm, relish that opportunity when I finally get to uh, say those words. When I finally get to, when I outflank, outmaneuver, and they're left uh, in the dust, and I am in triumph. You think that's going to be your joy when you finally crush them? No. What you're deceiving, the, the deceit there, ultimately you're going to deceive yourself. In plotting evil, you don't win. Everyone loses. But there's joy for you and joy all around you when you plan peace. Another commentator said of this verse, the plans you shape, shape you. Think about it. The plans you shape, shape you. The call in these Proverbs and many others we could look at this morning from the Bible's book of wisdom, make, make plans in the fear of the Lord in a worshiping submission to God. Make, make plans with humility before the Lord. Make plans with hope, hope in the Lord. He's got it under control. And that, that is making plans with wisdom. That's how we want to go into this new year and every day in it. Would you pray with me? Father, if you give us another day and another year, I pray that we would make the most of this time that you give us, the most of these lives and these gifts and these opportunities. Help us to press in. Help us to to dream big dreams, whether for uh, our vocations, for our families, for this ministry. But I pray that we would do all these things, all these plans, all these ideas, all these goals with an open hand, really with all these things in your hands. God, I pray that we would see, if we, we, if we by your grace, make it to this time next year, that we will be able to look back and say that you were with us, you led us every step of the way. 
I pray right now for those who are here this morning who came in with something too heavy, something that they have no hopes to get their arms around, no hopes of lifting their own. And I pray that even in this moment, and God, even even the rolling with your help to roll that over to you. And I pray, God, in some sense, we'd be able to leave today and enter into this week and the new year a little bit lighter, a little bit brighter, with more hope that you will be with us. And if you're with us, that's enough. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.